2: Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. you. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station,
3: Talk Sport.
2: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White and today myself, Danny Murphy and Gary Rowett discuss Manchester United's exit from Europe. With so much on the line, last night. Why was such a nothing performance produced? And are Manchester United still an attractive club for great players? Meanwhile, should the Turkish referee incident be a wake-up call for football here in England? former Premier League referee Peter Walton joined us to discuss. Plus, the Premier League has followed UEFA's lead and limited the number of years a club can spread the cost of a transfer fee for players on long-term contracts. I spoke to football finance expert Kieran Maguire for an explainer on that. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. We're going to kick off with manchester united we make no apologies for it manchester united fans because you are out of the champions league you are out of europe i mean danny the headline and the ramifications after that this is manchester united and next up for them your old place at anfield on sunday so they've got to go there we're going to hear from ten hag in a moment I mean, obviously the spotlight falls on him. I said it in the introduction, Danny, but I want to know the answer to this. Was so much on the line last night, how
3: could these players put in such a, a nothing performance? Well, they didn't go out of the Champions League because of last night. It was it was the build-up and previous poor performances. I actually thought the first half especially was the right way to play against Munich. They were compact. They didn't go gung-ho because they'd have got done, Jim if they'd have gone all out go go from minute one they'd have got done and I thought the level of intensity was good I thought they were in the game the disappointment was the second half because then the gloves have got to come off you've got to take the risk if you're going to go out you might as well go out on your shield well I mean keep the the boxing analogy going they didn't lay a glove on them they had to win that game well and then ultimately you have to ask yourself why and, and the reality is the lack of quality and belief in that United side at the moment they weren't capable of of running through Bayern and giving them a giving them a game second half. They they run out of puff, because Bayern are very good at keeping the ball, working work working United players playing through the lines, back in, back out, back round, and United didn't have enough in them to get to get. Yeah, as you, it's a good analogy. Yeah. Didn't lay a glove on them second half, and I think overall it's um, it's what they deserve. Their performances in the Champions League weren't good enough. Full stop.
2: Yeah, end off, And now we're mid-December, Gary, and they've gone. Gary, you've recently been in the technical area. You know what it's like to operate in that environment. Ten Hag knows what it's all about now. If he doesn't in his time at Manchester United, then he damn well should do. This was Ten Hag post-match.
4: No, not with regret. We want to be in. And uh, the target was always uh, to to overwinter. And we didn't make it, but yeah, we have to accept it we have to learn from it also that we play some good football in the Champions League and for instance Rasmus Hojland scored five five times and that's a very good performance and you have to take that belief into the Premier League and I think that counts for the whole team. We have to uh, take some good performance into the Premier League and we want to be back again in the Champions League so we have to qualify us over the Premier League.
2: Gary is that what happens? I mean say you're Ten Hag and you're out of Europe last night. Eric, uh, come along now. You got your media duties to do. He's obviously thought, right? I'm going to try and be positive. So we'll learn from it. It's what's happened, and we'll learn from it. Honestly, honestly, is that the best that he can do at that particular time? Would you? Is that the way
4: you you would handle it? I think there's a challenge, isn't there, as a manager when you when you face the media. Firstly, you usually emotionally attached to the game a little bit and it's and it's sometimes difficult not to say, you know part of it's not saying the wrong thing. Um so I think he's just chose to rather than talk about you know the free free draw in Galatasaray rather than talk about losing 4-3 to Copenhagen um you know and and some of the things that probably put them in the one winning six in the group that put them in that situation. He's chose to talk about something that might have a positive spin i.e. Yeah. I. yeah the league campaign with no European football. Um, so I suppose, you know, I don't think that's going to fool anyone. It's not going to fool the Man United fans, but you have to try to find something to move forward. There's no point talking about something that's just gone. I mean, you know, and um, maybe being out of Europe will... I know it's not acceptable for a club like Man United, but maybe going out of Europe might just mask a few issues that they've got at the moment. I mean, you know, scoring 18 goals to someone like Villa's 35. I mean, it's quite an incredible disparity for a club like Man United. Exactly, um, yeah. yeah. What what do you see, Gary, when you watch Manchester United at the moment? Well, we were talking about it earlier and Danny Danny made a really good point about, you know, sometimes you want to see a clear identity that continually happens. That's that's what you want to see as a manager and you know that the players are taking on board things. I, I think it's such a... He's in such a difficult moment. It's the inconsistency for me with Man United. that's the problem. I mean, they can go and win a game 3-0, then lose to someone like a Bournemouth, and that's no disrespect, 3-0. They can win a game and play well, and he gets manager of the month for a period of games. Then they go and put a really poor performance in. And I think the challenge at the moment, they, they are so up and down, which for me speaks a little. Does it speak about the management, the coaching, or does it speak about the character of... The squad in general. I don't know if that's an I unfair. I think it's a bit of both.
3: Know. And I, I, the, the problem is that manager of the month and those games, last minute winner Brentford, one 0 home to Luton, just got over the line at Sheffield United, Fulham last minute mistake from Fulham keeper makes mistake, Fernandez scores. I don't know where the ups have been. It's not. It's not been a roller coaster of ups and downs. Quite, I don't think. Mm. The goods are the, the the general level of their performance has been bad consistently and who's season. that down to is, is that Ten Hag not getting the message
2: through to the players or is that the players well, are simply not delivering and should move out of there
3: move on well it, it, the, the, the responsibility rests with the manager yeah, because he does the coaching and dictates the patterns of play and he also chooses the players that play yeah. and the biggest problem United have had this season in the games I've seen and I've seen 70% of them too easy to play against and that's because tactically they're all over the place wide open spaces I mean first half against Bayern was the best they've been defensively in ages but when they play most weeks they're very easy to play against they don't have the athleticism and defensive discipline that teams have to be successful I'm talking about basics tracking runners, winning your challenges You know all the normal things, closing down in packs it it doesn't it doesn't look like they're well coached and I'm sure he is coaching them but it doesn't look like he is so the message isn't being heard yeah. if he is coaching them a patterns of play and a tactical plan I'm very rarely seeing it so that that means there is some responsibility from the players yes of course as always but he's brought a lot of them in
2: let me ask you this Dan as we head to the break if this was Anfield last night with Liverpool needing a win against Bayern Munich to oh stand God. any chance would it have been as would it have been as quiet as Old Trafford was and flat as as Old Trafford was? last Well, I
3: wouldn't night. be blaming the flat fans. The beginning of the game, there was a bit of a buzz. I don't, I don't. You put the players have to get the fans going. But the longer
2: it went on. Yeah,
3: it was. But Liverpool, Liverpool's a different beast. Uh, uh, when Liverpool needs, even when Liverpool was struggling a bit in the league, the European Knights, for example, you remembered. I mean, they won the Champions League and finishing outside the top four. Liverpool, if, if I've played in games where we've, need, I remember we played Roma once and we had to beat them by two to get qualified. Similar thing to last night Yeah They were done after 10 minutes We steamrolled them I mean they, they, we hit them with everything we had and Went after them And they had better players They had some wonderful players And Totty and all that lot And we absolutely scared them to, We did not give them a minute And I don't think that United
2: side last night Is capable of doing that to Bayern Munich
3: No probably What not. you
2: just described No I don't think they can It's not no You're right, you're right. Paul Scholes was speaking last night, Guy. We'll speak about this, the other side of this upcoming break. Um, In terms of uh, the the summer transfer window, United should have done this and that, and then they wouldn't have uh, had the problems they're experiencing at the moment. But... uh, If they'd got certain players, yeah, it might have made a difference. But why do they think they're now entitled to get the biggest names in the game? Because these days, United, I would argue, are not up there in terms of getting the best players available. We'll talk about that next. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station.
3: Talk Sport.
2: Surely it's not a given anymore that the big names automatically would want to go to Manchester United. Paul Scholes talked about this in this area of conversation on TNT TV last night.
1: I think there was probably a couple of big big mistakes in the summer. I think recruitment at Manchester United this year in the summer was the easiest it could have ever been. You, you think of the likes of Harry Kane, 100 million probably, you get him. Either would have wanted to come, come here. The other one was Declan Rice, 100 million. You're buying... Mm. And proper, known quality the right characters they know about this club, they know the country the quality, quality players I thought it was so easy, but I think them two players, forget about the four or five bringing in for 50, 60 million them two players, they're there they're ready to go, proven quality this Man United team will be so much better if they are them two
2: I love schools as a player and I like them on TV, but Gary he says Harry Kane. yeah he'd have come here if United had done the deal, He'd have come here, would he? He's talking about Declan Rice. Declan end up at Arsenal. He's pulling up trees for Arteta at the moment.
4: He'd have gone there, would he? Well, I think at the moment if let's take Harry Kane for example, you know, he's gone to Bayern Munich. He's gone for a, um, you know, a completely new experience, but also more importantly to spearhead a team that he knows is going to create a lot of chances. He knows he'll have a chance of winning things not only in um Germany but also in Europe. So would he have gone to Man United for those same um, same things? And I think you could argue that he wouldn't have done. Yes, we can talk about look, Man United's a, a massive, massive global you of know, course. Jugger- juggernaut. Of but course. Yeah. but you're not de- you're not judging it on that, are you? You're not judging it on the past fifty years. You're judging it on where they are and here and now as a player. Now there's the finances and there's the ambition and the opportunity as a player and, and how it fits your style. I'm not sure Harry Kane would have Chose them over Bayern Munich. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. What do you think, Danny? It's a difficult one because I think in the, at
3: the time when United finished top four last year, had Champions League football, it felt a lot of us felt the United were moving forward. They were going to invest heavily, and he might have been sold. But you know, because he's a he's a he's a homeboy, and he and with the kids, I think he's gone to Munich and enjoying it and doing great. Because it was the op- the only option. But, but who, they, who but,
2: knows? But these two players have made the right decision in the end. Kane quite clearly was right to go to Bayern. Well,
3: quite clearly was right to go. I don't Arsenal. think Rice would have gone. No, no. I think from
2: well, I know you were speaking to his people now and again. It was always well, no. Arsenal I speak to him, Declan. I?
3: I seen him. He was so impressed with Arteta, and he was and, and he's a he's a family boy. He's a London laddie. Everything you know. I think that Declan would have chosen Arsenal had a I think he felt they were on the right trajectory.
2: I mean, the key question is: Have United fallen backwards in terms of the trajectory has gone in the other direction in terms of being the go-to place? It no longer is. In no, like Gary's right, sell an iconic brand. Simon goes on about that all the time, but hang on a second. I think there are clubs ahead of them now that big name players will say,
3: No, nah, I'm not going to you, I'm going to them. Well, I think the yeah, I think that's fair. I think you, you're you're also judging what United were an unbelievable club wherever he wanted to be at because they were winning all the time and he had Fergie and all that. But yeah, yeah, what you're looking at now, I think players, players very individual, it depends what a lot of players I think in my time, and probably still now, are most attracted to a club by the manager's cell. And if Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp are sitting with you in a room, I can imagine that's pretty hard to turn down. I know for a fact that Virgil van Dijk chose Liverpool because of Klopp. Obviously, it's a great football club, but he he met four four, four or five clubs. Right, right. And he went because of Klopp. And, And I would imagine a lot of City players are going to City because Pep, is, is sat down with them and gone, this is what we're going to do with you. Yeah. This is what we're going we're winning things. Winning things is ultimately the key, but the manager's the pull as well. United will still attract good great players because they pay a fortune and it's a super club. But if they keep getting themselves out of Champions Leagues early or not even qualifying,
4: that's a problem. I think one of the challenges with Man United at the moment as well is when you look at and again, I don't like to criticize recruitment because you don't know what goes on behind it and whose decisions are whose but if you look at the balance within the squad at the moment for a for a, top, for a team that wants to be a top top club again um, which is you know is a, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they end up back there hopefully but you look and you go you've got Casemiro there you've got Ericsson there you've got Fernandes there and then you go and sign Amrabat in the summer and you just look and you go Same you've with- got a lot of good midfielders but Danny made a great point a minute ago where could they have even got after Bayern Munich if they'd have tried? And if, and if you look at them, they haven't got the the energy and the athleticism and that real extra zip. And I'm not saying that's all that the game's about, but in terms of off the ball pressing and, and, and going after a team early yeah. on, but yeah. a, you, you know can't what? do it with that's those players. No, but, it, but, it, but
3: it's also, you don't
4: necessarily, if you don't want
3: to be a pressing team and have loads of athletes, that's fine. You can do it in a different way. You can be a technical possession-based counter-attack, be what you like. But what Liverpool did is they realised quickly, they saw last season's gone, come on. So who've they brought in? They've brought in Sir Bosley. I mean, you don't get a better athletic player than that. I mean, he's technically gifted as well, but I'm sure. talking about what does Klopp love from his midfielders? Press, press, press. Can you go 18-yard box, 18-yard <laughs> box? Like the great three he had with Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Milner, those four, actually, who could just do the work because the other three won them the games. Birch, super athlete. Six foot plus Fast, quick, strong you know, And then he brings in Okay, it wasn't his first choice Because they were after Kaiseido I know But Endo comes in Yeah. Tenacious, yeah. aggressive yeah. Defensive minded player Yeah. Captain of was it Stuttgart I think they got him from So they identify The players they need For the way you want to play It feels like United Have just been picking A few little bits here and there Exactly Throwing them together And, and who's gone into Manchester United, Gary And made
4: them better? Kane has actually made Bayern better. Yeah, he has. Declan's made Arsenal better. Yeah. I think think as well, uh, you know, and we all all see it at the top, top, top level of the game, you know, if you're not going to be incredibly good on the ball consistently, which they've lacked consistency, you've got to compete off the ball as well. In the top, I'm not even talking about the top games, you can beat some of the lower teams with a little bit of just the quality in there, but, you know, if you haven't got that extra athleticism... Then space opens up, and if space starts to open up, then people start to get exploited if they haven't got that pace. And, and yeah. I know it's not all about that. And there's a lot being spoke about athleticism at that level. You've got to have a little bit of everything. Sure, but you've all, but you've got to be able to cope with games when they start getting a little bit more open but, and teams start moving the ball against you. I'm talking about the top top games but when you you're playing, know, Liverpool. You're right, but you, you know, there's a there's a bit of a
3: myth around you need six foot two. I, I know I've just talked about Gravenberch height and athleticism, but You've got to work, You've got to have a desire and a willingness to do the work yeah. as well. And what that comes from is a manager who won't allow you not to. So the best example you will ever see, and you could watch anywhere in European football, is Bernardo Silva. He is small. Yeah. He's not the strongest. He's not lightning quick. His defensive dis- discipline in his game is amazing. You don't run past him. You don't walk past him. You don't run off him. Yeah, he'll he'll play middle of the park. He'll play right wing, full back. He'll track him every single time. He'll press. He'll set the press. Yeah, he'll go. He'll he'll do the job you ask him to do. Because I wish McKennaworth would do all
2: of that and more on
3: Sunday. But but why should he? He's a technician. He's brilliant. He's a number. he's, He's a creative player. He's won everything there is to win. Why should he do all that work? Because he knows if he doesn't, Pep will go. Nope. Sure. What, sure. what, what about Grealish' defensive work last year when in the big games where he's tracking back, and mm, making tackles in his own Because he has to. He's got no choice. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that. You know how many times you sort of wink the fullbacks of Bayern. Yeah. So does it, I mean, Manchester
2: United fans listening this morning, does it kill you somewhat that Declan thought, no, Arsenal's a place for me because I want to go there, because I can win things there. Um, Not United. Does it, does it kill you a bit that Harry Kane thought, no, Bayern's a place for me because I'll improve. Harry Kane improved, but he has improved and he's improved them. Manchester United have fallen back in the pecking order. No two, they're no longer the automatic go-to side.
1: download
2: stand well back listen outspoken with white and jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport Right now, we want uh, better better behaviour, it's fair to say, from people at football clubs towards officials right across the board, from presidents downwards, from club owners downwards. We saw what happened in Turkey at the weekend when the president of Ankara Gusu went onto the field of play at the end of the game and stiffened the referee, knocked him to the ground, and then one or two of his colleagues get in with the boot. It was quite incredible. The referee this morning has been discharged from hospital in Istanbul that's where we're at they're going to throw the book at this club president and in the last few moments former Premier League referee Peter Walton came on to tell us in terms of the Premier League and other leagues here in England this should act as a wake-up call
1: It was always going to happen unfortunately Uh, not football's finest hour if you ask me Um, it's been uh, building up like almost a volcano with the the rhetoric behind it and it was only taking a, a small spark I mean, It's great when he says that the, the, the president of the Turkish um, club says that I only went on to spit in his face as if that's a, a lesser crime in itself. Um, the mere fact he thinks in those manner means that um, this is a, 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 almost a cancer that we need to take out of the game immediately because I can see this um, mushrooming into things that will get out of control.
2: That was Peter Walton a short time ago. He's suggesting stronger punishments, uh, bans even, uh, that Arteta shouldn't have been allowed to watch his team from the stand at the weekend, having been banned from a match after what he said following that match at St James's Park when uh, Newcastle uh, got that goal that he thinks should not have sued against Arsenal and they ended up losing the game. Danny's with me. Gary Rowett is with me. Gary, you know. Of the three of us in here, you've managed most recently. I've never managed. There's a surprise to everybody. But you've managed to. football club. can't even manage club. yourself. I can, I can barely manage myself to get my clothes on in the morning. But, but you still got the carer. Yes, I have. Good. But here's the thing, Gary. You aren't... You're not completely blame this. You're not far off it. What happened when you get into a bit of trouble, when you
4: abused an uh, official? Well, when you said it, I thought, I'm sure Jim's just made it up. And I actually <laughs> realised it was, uh, yeah, I was trying to put it out of my uh, memory. So yeah, I, I got sent off. I was, I was managing Stoke. Um, I got sent, it was about the 88th minute, we we're one nil down. So of course that frustration starts to kick in, which is no excuse. But uh, And I went to say something to the fourth official and actually, this is my mitigation. My two staff behind me swore I never said anything but because he couldn't identify who it was the manager I got sent off and I had to walk all the way past the tunnel where all the Birmingham fans in the away end were basically giving me extra abuse so, right. so yeah it wasn't, wasn't my finest moment I so think it was
2: mistaken identity it was mis- it was absolutely mistaken totally identity I
4: had to take it on the chin I am, I am being completely honest here. I never said a word and I went in afterwards and said I, didn't, I genuinely didn't say a word but it's your word against the referees I think the, I think the problem for me is I mean there's a couple of problems here and I remember speaking to Howard Web in that meeting in the summer and, and Howard said we are genuinely struggling to get referees, ex-players don't want to do it, people don't want to do it and, and people are being put off yeah. by being involved, you're all passionate about the game, as I said about earlier, but people are being put off, of actually been involved in what could be a really good involvement in a job for someone maybe who hasn't played the game or whatever and wants sure, to be involved sure. but people just do not want but to do Gary, it
2: Gary, Gary, there's a disconnect isn't there, between managers at the top and you were one of them and match officials. Yeah. There, there is a disconnect but here in terms of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate.
4: Yeah. I, I think the issue is that if you look at a lot of other sports and I know we're not football's not unique in itself, but a lot of other sports, the referee feels like part of the game, it feels like just a part of the game, in football for some reason it feels they're the ving- like they're the, de- they're the deterrent aren't they they're mm-hmm. there to almost ruin you know it feels like there's this narrative of there to almost ruin the game and I think we've got to somehow change it haven't we because they're not going how out How do you there. somehow change
2: it? I've, I've I know you guys absolute- want to win, you want to win, you're a winner I know that, Yeah. But how do you look, change
4: it? Look, look, look we're all culpable aren't we because we've all said things to a referee or a fourth official that when you look back and you see these moments you think Actually, maybe I could have conducted myself a lot better in that moment, and maybe you're adding fuel to the fire. But we have to. I don't know how. I know Howard Webb trying to do and being more open to try and maybe engage with people and understand. Well, on, on seems the pitch, is making it work yes. On the pitch is easy. Yeah, you just cut it
3: out. You can the ref. You can only talk to the captain. Dead easy.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now people go.
3: Oh, well, that's going to players won't be able to do it. Well they will because I'm telling you if I if I wasn't the captain and I talked to the ref more than once and got sent off two yellows I'm missing my football because most players love playing Guy, I don't know you know well that was me and most of the lads I played
4: with <clears throat> not in the pocket you're not playing you're banned but but you, so you, so it, you stop here but Danny, you know as well as I do, when, you, when you've when you played, you'll have sat there. I don't know whether, you know, I'm trying to think back as a player, because we played at similar sort of times, um, whether or not, you know, the referees used to come and speak you before the start of the season. This is what we're mm. going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And the challenge, I think, and I'm not, I'm not making it the referee's fault, of course, but they have these rules and they talk about these rules, the technical area, and then three or four games in, it just goes back to how it was. And I actually think that most people would be on board at the start of the season if you know if you're talking about extra time in games and it's going to be nine ten minutes yeah then after 15 games don't then put it back to two or three you know you've got to stick with it and you've got to you've got to be consistent and i think everyone has to get behind it, 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 it.
3: you know it's a simple philosophy it's like parents, know. if you say if you say i'm going to take that computer away if you keep misbehaving but then you let them give them another chance and another chance it's the same in a technical technical area if you say well i'm not going to book him because he's, it's, he's celebrating the goal I'm not going to book him because it was a bad tackle, actually, and he's just got a bit carried away with himself. No. Just make it easy. Even put a little rope around it. You know, even at the kids' football at the weekend, go and watch me boy play, they have a rope to stop the parents encroaching and having a say and having a shout at the ref. But, Danny, you know how it works. I mean, that, that
2: moment recently when Hallen put Grealish through. Yeah. And, the, and then they surrounded the, the, the referee, Simon Hooper. Do you honestly think at that moment... Only the club captain of Manchester City will approach Rupert.
3: it's a, Any big any change in behaviour takes time. So you would you would have a, a, a month, maybe two at the most... Where Why? You... It would be immediate. Do you think they could do it? So have... If the rule
2: came in, do you think that that would be observed?
3: I think it would have to be, because you'd be sent off.
2: Yeah. I, fi- I find it hard to believe that that would immediately be observed well, from, how, how from this the, introduction.
3: How can these six foot four, 16 stone... Giants with more aggression in and on every footballer on the planet who play rugby do it.
2: And Before we and go to th- the break, I want to ask you something straight, Gary. Like he played for Hooley and he played for Hodgson. I honestly believe these two respect the officials. They respect referees. Never saw either of them going at a ref. Gary, do ref do do managers today
4: honestly believe in the word respect? I think most look. Most managers are so desperate to win. Most managers are so desperate for their teams to perform that, unfortunately, some of those not not moralities, but some of those Eddie Howe's the best. Yeah, some of those parts of it you can easily forget. But I do. But I do think that you know, as a manager, you don't understand sometimes the impact. That your actions have, and you look at grassroots football, and and people do copy, people do plagiarise, and pigeon what you do, and that, and that's something I think probably most managers perhaps need to be. Do, do you know what it is, Gary?
3: Self analysis and self self control, because I I was guilty as a player. You get carried away with the emotion. Yeah. You forget your You're in a bubble. The, the managers forget. They're all earning millions of quid. In the Prem, they're all in a wonderful position. It's just the referee's decision. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But it's hard in the moments to think that way. it's only when you sit back with your kids and your missus probably look at your behavior and go, Oh my God.
4: Yeah. But then it's it embarrassing. Again. Yeah. It is embarrassing. Yeah. Sometimes you are embarrassed yeah.
3: and that's well, just a-
2: Simple Peter fact. Walton was saying moments ago that Arteta shouldn't have been in the stand, that a one-game ban means he shouldn't be anywhere near the stadium. Do you go with that? It's have the punishments got to be have the punishments got to fit the crime? The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. In the meantime, let's talk, yeah, FFP, because the Premier League has followed UEFA's lead and limited the number of years a club can spread the cost of a transfer fee for players on long-term contracts. We all know that Chelsea have spent a billion pounds since the Bully takeover last year, but they have been questioned by some after they gave a whole host of their signings long-term deals up to, well, eight years or more. And... Um, Only as recently as yesterday, Tottenham did the very same. Destiny Udoge, he signed a new six-and-a-half-year deal with Tottenham just three months after making his Premier League debut. Why does this happen? Football finance expert Kieran Maguire spoke to me earlier and I put it to him. Kieran, explain to us, in layman terms, because so many of us, including myself, find it hard to get our heads around this, what Chelsea have been doing regards those eight-year contracts and how they spread the cost of those big transfer fees?
1: From an accounting point of view and from a, most, most importantly, an FFP point of view, when you sign a player, the cost of the transfer is spread over the life of the contract. So if Chelsea had signed Moises Caicedo, let's say for 100 million, on a five-year contract, you'd say, well, 100 divided by five, that's going to cost us 20 million pounds for FFP purposes in a year. If you sign him on an eight-year contract, 100 divided by eight—that's 12 and a half million—and that's what Chelsea have done. All of these players who've been coming in on six, seven, eight and a half year contracts has allowed Chelsea to buy more players. So I got my calculator out yesterday when the when the Premier League brought in these new rules, and it works out that Chelsea are benefiting by 42 million pounds a year through having players on these longer contracts. Now, financial fair play is spread over three years, so that gives them a £126 million advantage over your FFP assessment period.
2: And that, in essence, is why it's helpful, as far as the club is concerned, to spread the transfer fee over a longer period of time.
1: That's right. It's purely driven by, well, I think it's driven by two issues. First of all, it does give you a financial fair play advantage the other advantage is, is more of a footballing one. You know, if that player you, you've signed at the age of you know, 17, 18, 19, they've got a lot of young players coming into Chelsea. If that player's really good, what you don't want is, is after three years, you know, the contract's starting to be wound down. And if you know, the likes of you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United are, are looking to take that player off your hands, the, play, the player's value tends to fall in terms of its market value. Um, in the last couple of years of the contract so by locking the players into longer contracts Chelsea are protecting their interest and that's great if the players are good now if for whatever reason it's not working out for the player you've then got the downside they're on Chelsea wages which you know Chelsea are one of the biggest players in world football And the player and his representative are going to go and say, well, I'm going to fight for my place because I don't want to go and give up the wages that I'm on. So it's restricting the number of places that that player can potentially go to.
2: And now, Kieran, as we know, it changes. What's the significance now that the Premier League are limiting the period down to five years?
1: Well, this means that the annual charge, and the accountants call this amortisation, that annual cost, even if the player has been signed on an eight-year contract from going forwards effectively from the next window is that you're gonna to have to split it over over a maximum of five years. So that means that your costs for FFP purposes are going to go up, which means that the likes of Chelsea won't be able to go in and say, right, we're gonna sign another half a dozen players on eight year contracts and spread the cost over eight years because it's gonna to have to be five years for FFP. So therefore they're gonna to have to be a little bit smarter. I think what a lot of people are saying, well, well, how come Chelsea voted for the change in the rules themselves yesterday? Well, the reason for that is that they've already got that advantage. They've already used that loophole. And now they're saying, right, we've benefited from it. We're quite happy for nobody else to do so. So that's why they've now gone and changed tack.
2: One wonders, Kieran, if, if, if we're going to see fewer longer term contracts for players. The reason I ask, only yesterday Tottenham confirmed that Destiny Udogi signed a new six-and-a-half-year
1: deal. So what does that tell us? If the player has come from the academy, it's a brilliant idea to lock them in to long-term contracts because that's that's protecting your, your asset as far as the club is concerned. So if the club really believes in the player and they think that the player's value is going to increase and they're going, they want to get the benefit of that, then you want to tie them in because the last thing you want is is a player to be running down their contracts and leaving on a bosman and you get nothing you know if if you take a look at at Chelsea themselves they've been fantastically successful in selling players from their academy who had a good few years left on the contracts yeah they've had Mason Mount and they've had Tammy Abrahams and uh, and Tamori and all of these players and Chelsea have earned more money from player sales especially their academy than any other club and that's partly due to the fact that they've always had plenty of years remaining on those contracts
2: Kieran finally generally did you see those longer contracts as a way of getting around financial fair play in other words Kieran was it a loophole Simon would suggest it probably has never been a loophole but can you tell
1: me? No, it was. I genuinely think it, it it wasn't. I think Chelsea took a huge gamble in the approach that they took. The rules have always been there. Yeah, you know, I've been teaching this nonsense since 1989, and I've always wondered why clubs haven't taken advantage of it. What Chelsea have decided to do is to take a huge gamble. You know, if if we're still having this conversation in in 2031. Like this could be Mudrick's season when he finally comes through, well, Chelsea have spent an awful lot of money in wages you know, uh, in terms of the period that he's been there. So if the players are as good as Chelsea think they are, it's a fantastic idea. If it's not, it's going to be a nightmare for them because again, they're going to be left with loads of players on big deals. So I think it's a gamble more than a loophole.
2: It's a gamble more than a loophole, says uh, Kieran Maguire. Let's bring it back to, to a football argument, if you like, Gary. Gary Routes alongside Danny and myself if you're a player and you get an 8 year contract how easy is that to manage if you are that player's manager that's what Pochettino's having to deal with at the moment, does that player not
4: go into something of a comfort zone? I don't, I think the players with a less than elite mentality might go into a comfort zone I think it's harder to hurt those players if they don't if it's a financial reason that they're at that club rather than want to be the best player they possibly can be but I think the best players You know we spoke about it earlier With Klopp and Guardiola The best players Regardless of what they're earning Regardless of how long Their contract is They want to achieve greatness Don't they They want to be the best player That they can be Um, But of course If you're giving a player Big money over Over a long period of time You know You can't help the fact That they are in a very Comfortable position I don't know if that changes That many Premier League players Perspective I don't know
3: I think it does a bit I, I think the minority Are elite
2: the minority early
3: Yeah I think the, I think the majority Fall into a comfort zone Even if you don't want to
2: Because of the length of
3: Because of the money
2: Yeah 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 Honestly. I mean your longest contract Was what four years yeah. I think Would you ever have Even considered Signing an eight year deal Absolutely Because Liverpool.
3: of a at Liverpool, had I would have signed an eight, 8 million year length deal. You were I never wanted life. to leave. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
3: Of course I did, I was, I was living the dream. I, I'd reached everything, i do done everything I to do. I wanted to try and stay there. But even me, so I'll put myself in this. And this is why I think Chelsea have done it wrong. And they're young players as well. It's not like rewarding a 25 year old who's 26, who's just starting to become much more emotionally intelligent around, around the football world. But when I was at Liverpool, after, so I got... Couple of new contracts there. I was there seven seasons was I, I would give up seven seasons, I think. After one particular contract and one good season uh, one of my good seasons, and some might argue there wasn't many, but <laughs> not at all. Um I got warned by Joulier, the pre season of the next one saying, Come on, you me and Stevie got warned actually. And I went with you, You and meet? Stephen
2: Jarrett got warned yeah.
3: by him. He said, You two, you're not think you made it. You should be careful. So I said well whatever Do me a favour What are you talking about Three games into the season I was taken in the squad to Blackburn He lifted the flip chart up I wasn't even on the bench Binned Went into his office on the Monday I said what's going on He said I warned you And that was me Falling into a comfort zone of thinking I had a few more quid I was in the team every week and it took it took someone like him, who you know how we got on, yeah, to actually just jog me again. And God's Lord, he went and won the next five out of six or so, I couldn't get back in for weeks.
2: Now, I, get, <laughs> I get that, but Pochettino can't do that at Chelsea. Well, because he's saddled with those players who have signed forever contracts.
3: Yeah, For but probably I, a longer I, deal than yeah, Pochettino. But, but I'm using that point to show you can get in the comfort zone even when you're at the club you love and door. So if, it, you, if you're yeah. a French lad coming in in Chelsea and you're thinking, you know, oh, well, he doesn't fancy me, where's the incentive? Because you just, they can either pay me up or I'll sit here. See, that's a great point, isn't it, Guy? And a kid coming into Chelsea at the moment,
2: not that we're suggesting Chelsea, this is, no. you, this is what's going on. But it could happen. But it could happen. But I'm all right. I'm not playing, but that's okay. Because I have the security of that,
4: which I've signed. And it's very difficult then to change that situation, isn't it? Because the player's on a lot of money over a long period of time and no other club probably is going to pay for that player, mm. particularly when they're not playing at the top of the game. Chelsea have gone for a specific model, haven't they? They've gone young. The best talent they think is out there, they've gone young. They've probably overpaid for it. They've stretched it over a long period of time. They they know those players are still going to have value. Oh, It's not like doing it with a 26, 27-year-old. Mm. So they've done it from a, from a financial aspect and hoping that... That then gives them the performance over a long period of time they want, but like you say, you know particularly as a manager, as a manager, when a player sign, when, you, when you manage a player that signs a big money deal on a long-term contract, you know that puts you in a, a really difficult mm. position if they don't play anything other than um, at a top level every The thing is with this, get. Gary, is there's nothing to compare it to No nobody's ever done no, this. No.
3: nobody's ever spent that much money on potential and asked a coach to, to sort it out. That's right. never been done. That's right. No. So and, we can and, and all hypothesise about what's going to happen. They could either be Champions of Europe and Premier League winners in three or four years or having a relegation battle. Right, know. right. I, I doubt the You're latter, right but you know is. what I'm You're saying.
2: You're spot on, and that's why Kieran Maguire said, no, it's not a loophole at Chelsea, it's a gamble. Big and gamble. it's a gamble they were prepared to take.
1: The world's most dangerous
2: download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station,
3: Talk Sport.
2: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review. Wherever you get your podcast from, we'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.
3: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all